Hey, this is Russell, and I have the greatest job in the world. I work at the video store, the one that is just down the road from you that you can go to once a week whenever it is movie night. Why I love this job is because when the store is quiet, I get to watch movies and series and talk about them with my friends that work here. And interesting people also pop in to rent something. Each week, we can help you figure out what you could be watching at home on streaming platforms and out in cinemas. Let's start the show. Did you see that thing yesterday on the TV? All right, today on the show we have Peach van Pletsen, who is one half of the awesome music group van Pletsen, who have themselves a new album out. Enter the Grootness is available wherever you stream your music, turn it up, uh, enjoy it, um, and enjoy this chat. Um, but before we get into it, uh, I'm just going to step out of the video store. We got Colin Graham. Um, who uh, just want to catch up on some stuff. Um, they'll look after the shop while I uh, step out for a bit, um, and then we'll um, we'll get back into it. Hello. What's up, dude? What's up? How are you doing today? <laughs> Riding yourself. Oh, no complaints. When the cat's away. Right. Uh, I mean, where's Russ? Uh, away. Can't, can't the portal away. opened up. He jumped through. Oh, right. He seemed like he knew what he was doing. <laughs> Didn't know why he took leave. Yeah. From the video store, but we can keep things going without it. Yeah, him. I hope fine. so. Um, so you and I went on a date night the other night. Yeah. It was quite nice. It was nice. Um, I've been to a, quite a few premieres with Russell. Oh, okay. Um, with all of the contacts that he's made over the years running the Bioscope. Mm. It's like with Sony, we went to the premiere of, was it Into the Spider-Verse? That was the first yes. one? Okay. This next one is called Across the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, we saw that. We saw, did you ever watch Searching? No. You went to a premiere of Searching, which is a very cool movie, all okay. on phone screens and um, computer screens. Oh, yes. About someone that goes missing with, with John, John Cho. Cho. Yeah. Not Stephen Yeun. Yes. If, you, if that was a test for all the people who've listened to old episodes. Yeah. Um, won't make that mistake again. No. But um, yeah, so we got invited by UIP to go watch a premiere. Yeah. Two nights ago. Yep. Um, and why don't you tell the lovely listeners what we went to see? We went to watch a movie, invited by URP, uh, called Polite Society. Which was very surprising. Yeah. Um, I kind of didn't know it existed. No, I had not even heard of it before. Yeah. Before the invite came. And I think, um, for me, this is also a lesson in watching stuff that you wouldn't ordinarily watch. Yes. And yeah. being surprised. Yeah. And also just having a lot more fun with something that isn't very serious. Yeah, I agree. Right? Yeah. Um, so it was going to be... A date night with my boyfriend and I. That's why I called it our date night. Yeah. <laughs> it was my cheat night. <laughs> uh, because I, I, I couldn't stop thinking about him throughout this entire movie. Mm -hmm. And I thought this would be exactly his kind of film. Mm -hmm. So I think if you like Bend It Like Beckham yeah. or Legally Blonde or Miss Congeniality. And also Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. Right? That's, that's what it was. Yeah. I was sitting there the entire time trying to figure out what is this riffing on yes. visually yeah. and it's editing and it's visuals. It, it, so it reminded me of like spaced era Edgar Wright. Okay. Yeah. Tell the people what spaced is. Spaced is the TV show that Edgar Wright and Nick Frost and Simon Pegg made prior to making Shaun of the Dead. And it's fantastic. I remember it's you only lent. two seasons. Yeah. Like 12 episodes in total. 
but it's really good. Yeah, you lent the, whole, the DVD collection to me. Yes, that's yeah. right. Or the whole premise of the show, the, the way they speak about it, it's like the anti-Friends. Friends is about like incredibly attractive people in preposterous, you know, um, apartments living in New York. Yeah. Who never seem to do a job or work, but they still have huge apartments and all that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, and they don't have real problems. No. You know, whereas this These is meant to be like real people. Okay. You know, much more grounded, and it does get still silly in that Edgar Wright way, but it always feels kind of, kind of grounded. If you can find it, I really recommend watching it. It's very good. So uh, we're talking about that because it seems to be riffing on a style that was quite energetic, frenetic, yes. uh, breaking with convention. Yeah. Uh, but let's tell you guys what the back of the box was. The back of the box mm. is that there are two sisters in England. Yeah. Who were part of a Muslim family from what yes. I could gather because they were celebrating Eid. Yeah. Um, and the one who dropped out of art school, an mm-hmm. older sister, I think, yeah. um, met a, the the son of the person who owned this house at this Eid party they went yeah, to. Very wealthy, yeah. you know, well-off family. And, as um, opposed to the much more working class kind of normal exactly, family. Exactly, which is surprising for them because yeah. it seems like a lot of wealth politics or like a caste system was playing into mm-hmm. their identity here. Yeah. And then he starts wooing her yes. and starts hitting on her. And the younger sister, who's the heroine of the movie, yeah. um, I, ju- I can't remember her name, but I remember that her, her YouTube channel, because she's a martial artist, was yes. called Khan Fu, like yes. K-A-N Fu, which was yes. hilarious. Um, and it's exactly, their last name is Khan. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, and she is not convinced that this guy's being sincere. Yeah. And she starts to try to break apart their tryst. There you go. Um, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. I think that it didn't take itself too seriously. No, and I had like quite a few choke on your popcorn laughing moments yes. in this. My favorite <laughs> thing that I will repeat for the rest of my life. I know exactly what you're going to say. You do. What yeah. is it? Not a chance in France. Yes. Yes. When her friend said, there's not a chance in France, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to let this happen. I was yeah. like, what? <laughs> How have I never thought of this before? And as soon as that line came out, I was like, Cole's about to giggle. And Cole giggled. <laughs> I'm very easy to please when it comes to puns. It is very funny. It is a funny movie, right? I think that a lot of the visual comedy Mm. took me by surprise. Yes. Because it doesn't seem like it's going to be that fun when it starts. Yeah, exactly. And it starts to go batshit crazy. It does, yeah. It like starts to get insane. Yeah. Where you have these really old Indian ladies doing kung fu fights. (laughs) (laughs) Which is awesome. It's just like you don't expect it. Yeah. And I think it plays, it pokes a lot of fun at the idea that this is the kind of movie I've only ever seen men do. Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I look, it's it's kind of like Tuxedo or what's the Jackie Chan Chris Tucker series? Rush uh, Hour. Rush Hour. Yeah. It's like it feels like it's that kind of silliness. Mm, yeah. But that was doing it because it was like cool to do that in the nineties and the noughties, yes. and yeah. that was a cool movie. This is now self-aware. Yeah. And making fun of itself. Yeah. It's like it's not quite satire, but it like verges on satire in a way. Yeah. It does yeah. at points. Yeah. Um, and sure, the plot might be a little bit predictable. Yeah. I think I was. Like whispering in your ear, it's yes. going to happen now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's weird the feeling of satisfaction you get yeah. when you're right about a plot point. Yeah. Uh, but simultaneously disappointed. Yeah, you know? it can be. I remember we had a lecturer, Brent yeah. Quinn, who used to tell us your audience, because we were writing students, mm. and he would t- t- tell us the audience are psychic geniuses. Damn. They will always figure out where your plot is going before you get there. You have to take that into consideration. I clearly forgot everything Brent Quinn taught me. <laughs> <laughs> I remember a funny story was when Brent, um, in our honors year, so he was our screenwriting lecturer for honors, yeah. and 
he was talking about writing partners. Yeah. Okay. And <laughs> Graham knows where this is going. Uh, this is so and, funny. Um, he said, like, so which of you are partners? And yeah. I put up my hand because Graham and I had co-written all of our films since halfway through second year, which we weren't allowed to do. Yeah, technically. Because I was a writing, directing student, and Graham was a visual effects student. Yeah. Um, and you weren't allowed to get co- And I was like, screw that. I like writing <laughs> with Graham. And we brainstorm and riff together really yeah. well. Um, we made rubbish movies, but we had fun yeah, doing them. You exactly. Know? And um, so I was like, yeah, Graham and I, we, we, yeah. we co-writers. I write with him. And ben, I remember seeing his face. He was like, oh. Yeah. Huh. Because he was talking about just having a writing partner. And then he switched subjects to writing, writing with someone you're in a relationship with. Yeah, and I clearly missed and that. And you missed that part. Yeah, I was... So when he said, so who is anyone here with the person that they're writing? And Cole just goes, boop, and puts his hand up. And he goes, then he does this, like points to me and him. And Brenda's like, oh. Oh, interesting. And then I realized what I'd done. Like, like no one, you guys didn't tell me after that, right? Well, immediately I just, afterwards. I'd have lost it immediately. <laughs> but it took us like six months to tell Brent, we're not in a gay relationship, Brent. <laughs> it was so funny. He's like, and he funny. was so disappointed. He was yeah. like, what? I thought you were my two gay boys <laughs> in, in the script writing class. Damn it. Now we just have straight white boys in the class? Yeah. He's like, yeah, sorry, dude. That was funny. It was hilarious. But um, yeah, really surprised with uh, Polite Society. Yeah. Um, I'm really keen to check out a director's previous television series that I checked. So the director's Nida Mansour. Okay. It's not an S, so I don't think it's Mansour. Mm. It's Mansour. Um, and there is a series called We Are Lady Parts. Okay. Which the title just sounds amazing, yeah. right? And it's about a punk band right. of a whole bunch of women in England, I assume, um, creating a punk band called Lady Parts. Right. Uh, and it seems badass. And cool. I have no idea where to get it. So oh, we'll yeah. put that in our notes. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Um, <laughs> in Polite Society, you'll recognize Ritu Arya from the Umbrella Academy. Yes. Yeah. Right. She's like the only person in the cast that I recognized. Yeah. There was yeah. no one. There she's were also in, she's gonna, she's in Barbie. Oh, is she? Is she a Barbie? Uh, I don't know if she's a Barbie, but she's okay. in Barbie. Because it seems like a lot of people in Barbie are Barbie. <laughs> yes. Which took me and by a lot surprise. Of Kens. Right? Yeah. Yeah, but Polite Society, I think it's a good date night movie. Yes. If you want to laugh a lot Definitely. and let loose, have some fun. Yeah. Um, would highly recommend it. It's out for us today, the 28th of April. Okay. So it'll be a few days ago by the time you're hearing this, but it's, mm. yeah, check it out. Recommended. Mm. Mm. What have you been watching? Well, I'm still carrying on with my movie a day mm. marathon. It's been going well done, okay. Dude. I've That's watched like, a, I've watched a string of stinkers though. Oh no, I hate that. <laughs> that I watched 2012 last night. I don't know why. I watched that recently. I went through a disaster porn phase like so, last year. It's so stupid. It's so bad. It's so bad. Isn't Oliver Platt the president in that? He no. He was like a vice president. <laughs> He's like some guy, but he ends up becoming the president because everyone else is dead. <laughs> that sort of thing. No, I think my favorite part of the whole movie is at one point we see like eight hundred earthquakes in that movie, so it starts to mean nothing. Yes. Very quickly. Yes. But there's one in Italy, and you're inside the Sistine Chapel, yes. and a crack forms down the roof. Yes. And it cracks right down the middle of the creation of Adam. <laughs> Between the fingers where they're touching. Yes. I'm like, this is what Roland Emmerich thinks is symbolism. Yes. And exactly. I thought that was very funny. <laughs> that he thinks he's being an artist. Yes. <laughs> right? But it's it's just trash. Yeah. It's it's it pure very funny. Silly trash throughout it. I mean, it was that kind of film for me. I do enjoy a good disaster porn. Yeah. That's what I call them. I don't know if that's oh, what yeah. the the official name is. Yes. But um when you see the entire I don't know what it's called, that piece of tectonic plate of 
of Los Angeles, mm-hmm. like drifting into the sea, yes. the San Andre- past the San Andreas Fault. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember I sat there and went, whoa. <laughs> you know, it's like that kind of movie. Yeah. Uh, that's just purely about that weird spectacle. Yes. And John Cusack driving an RV van away and from an exploding volcano. Terrible father. He's constantly putting his kids in horrible situations. And go, what are you doing? But it's like the world's ending. His options are kind of limited, (laughs) you know. Even before that, there's a scene early on where they they're in like a national park or whatever, and they come to a fence. It's like stay out, blah blah blah, and he's just like, cool, let's just climb over the fence. (laughs) And then they come to what used to be a lake, and it's like cordoned off, and it's got like danger tape over, and he just walks through it with his children. Like John, (laughs) what are you doing? (laughs) Crazy. He needs to be in more movies. He's good. I really enjoy enjoyable. Yeah. It's amazing and high fidelity. Yes, and room fourteen no three. What is it? I know the Stephen King book. Yeah, I know what you're talking yeah. about, but I, I can't, can't remember what it's called. I watched oh. both of the Ghost Rider movies for some reason. I know, Graham. Um, no, you got to like stop Nick this. Cage is enjoyable in it was in the first one because those kind of like off chops Nick Cage performances yes. are fun when it's like a character. Yes, you know when there's like a character underpinning it. Yes, now, this just doesn't exist see. in the second one. He's just whatever. I know. He's just yeah. bonkers. And I watched. I completely forgot those existed. I did watch The Rock, which is a good time. The Rock is cool. The Rock is fun. I did kind of enjoy The Rock when I watched it recently because no. I couldn't remember it. Yes. Um, I think that my favorite film from that era, mm-hmm. uh, that Nick Cage action in the nineties yes. era. I don't know if they were all. Um, who's the big producer of Armageddon? Uh, Jerry Bruckheimer. Yeah, I don't know if they were all Jerry Bruckheimer movies, mm-hmm. but Con Air. Yes. I feel like is a little bit of a masterpiece. Like <laughs> I'll put it up there with True Lies yeah. as films that are kind of self-aware and having a lot of fun. Yes. Because that film was nuts. Yeah. That film was stupid. Yeah. And it was so much fun to watch Nick Cage. Just, yeah, it's a good time. It's, it's one of those moments where you're like, Nick Cage is a bad actor, but he's doing it on fucking <laughs> yes. purpose. Yeah. That's what you don't know. Yeah. He's doing it on purpose. He's acting that badly on purpose. Yes. I think he is an incredible actor. Yeah, he can we be. To, we need to give it to him. When he, when he dials it in. Um, but just so that everyone doesn't leave here thinking that there are only stinkers we recommend this yes. week. If you have Disney Plus, mm. I spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, I think, but uh, I finished The Bear. Okay, cool. And I haven't I'm, even started The Bear. Uh, so I'm late to the party on this. We mm. all know. It's, like, yeah. <laughs> it's had its moments and gone. Yeah. And I don't know how many people have watched it, mm. but I would highly, highly, highly recommend this. The back of the box is that it's about a younger brother whose older brother has just committed suicide, but he owned a restaurant in New York City, like a sandwich restaurant. Right. And this younger brother has just come back from like culinary school okay. and cooking in one of the best restaurants in the country, in America, right. and winning Food and Wine's Most Promising Chef Award. Um, cool. And now he comes back to resurrect and, or at least try to save his brother's restaurant. Oh, okay, figure out how that bear got in that kitchen. Yeah, right? <laughs> no, exactly. He's the bear. The bear's inside of him. No, the bear's metaphorical. Good. Um, no, it's not literal. Don't worry. No, which is, might be kind of disappointing yeah. to some people. Uh, but there's no bear on the poster, so that's your first clue. This isn't like cocaine bear. Um, but uh, they do a really good job of drawing a line through his anxiety and stress. Okay. Being the younger brother, I think, mm-hmm. and what that does. Fixing his brother's mess. Right. Running a kitchen trying to turn a New York kitchen into a French kitchen. Right. Uh, and it, it like feels like this anxiety and stress that like constantly punctuates the editing, operates on levels that are like beyond the restaurants. It's, mm-hmm. it's in the city itself. There are mobsters on the corner um, right. and there are people dealing in like illicit drugs in mm-hmm. order to make more money to save the restaurants. And right. he's dealing with people who don't want to change and don't want to listen to younger people. 
um, and they don't listen to him even, and they make fun of him because he went to fancy French yes. art house, like not art house, like <laughs> cooking school. Yeah, you know. So it's it's a really really stunning piece. I won't give too much away. Cool. Uh, but the performances, especially by the lead actor, I can't remember what his name is, are breathtakingly good. Cool. And I think it's I try not to binge. I think it's a problem. <laughs> yeah. We need to stop doing it. All of us need to yes. stop binging. Because then we're also all those people who complain that they don't want to watch Avatar for three hours. Yeah. Because it's too long. Yes. I'm like, you guys are full of shit. Yeah. We'll binge four episodes of a series without batting an eyelid. Right. That's what he, James Cameron said about his kids. Yes. Um, and I did that with The Bear because I couldn't stop right. watching it. I was like, fuck. <laughs> no. I won't be taken in by this. I mm-hmm. want that feeling yeah. of waiting week on week. Right. For an episode to come out. Do I you really like that. Do you remember what happened when John Locke discovered the hatch in yes. Lost? And you didn't know what the fuck was going yeah. on? Yeah. And you had to wait seven days? Yep. That was amazing. Yeah. That torture was good. Yeah. I miss it. Yeah. I like Disney, the way Disney does actually release stuff that way. Yes. As opposed to next Netflix model of just dumping everything out. Did you see what they're doing for The Witcher 3, season 3? Mm-hmm. They said part one on, I don't know, let's let's say for for instance, yeah. uh, for like the 28th of May. Yeah. Part two, the 29th of May. <laughs> It's like a whole day. Wow. Good job, like People guys. are going to die inside. Yeah. It's the whole day. We can't watch what happens to Geralt of Rivia. Good Lord. Nonsense. Not even in the show after that anyway. No. no. Uh, so any new releases that you're excited about? Uh, well, we saw the preview for The Flash. Mm-hmm. When we went to watch Polite Society. Yeah. And like I've been, uh, the whole time I've sort of been thinking, why are they not scrapping this movie? Yeah. All the problems with Ezra Miller, you know. And also. The fact that it's taken like five years. Yes. And then they released a trade and I'm like, oh, oh this is because <laughs> it looks really good. It looks amazing. It looks like it looks a, like a lot of fun. Time. Yeah. And didn't Tom Cruise say that he loves it? Apparently, Tom Cruise thinks it's amazing. Okay, I'm watching it. Right. Sorry, if Tom Cruise says action is good, yeah, I'm going to listen <laughs> and watch. And like Michael Keaton's back. Yeah. And Ben Affleck's back. Yeah, Batfleck was my uh, favorite. Batman. Yeah. It's like hard to say no. Yeah. It's I hard still to say think no they should it. recast. The I don't Flash. think it would have been hard for them to have done that when well, that started. Uh, I think it would have been very hard because the film was basically oh, shot, was it all shot by the time yeah. all the stuff with Ezra Miller but went down. But you know down. what? Ridley Scott did it in a month. Is all <laughs> okay, I'm to saying. be fair, he didn't do it with like the main character of the movie. Yes. Also, the main characters are playing two different roles. Right. Okay, so just for context, if you've heard about All the Money in the World, yeah. uh, which starred Kevin Spacey, yes. and then when the scandal came out... Turns out he's a sex criminal. Exactly, thank you. Um, and I can't watch House of Cards anymore, which yeah. I'm really irritated about because he plays a sexual predator in that. Oh, my Lord. And it feels like, oh, you're not acting. Yeah. But uh, Ridley Scott's obviously, because uh, he's fucking coolest dude in the world, right. decided, no, uh, not going to go ahead with Kevin Spacey as yes. our, um, who, who was the famous guy that he played? I cannot remember. He's like a billionaire. Yeah. Uh, but go check out the, It's a, it sounds like a really cool movie that I haven't watched yet. Yeah, neither have I. But they um, replaced... All of his scenes with Christopher Plummer yes. re-edited the film yeah. and didn't miss the release date, which was like a month That's or something. Wild. It was wild. a month from when they decided, let's cut out Kevin Spacey and add in Christopher Plummer. Jeez, well, Christopher Plummer was Ridley Scott's first choice. Oh, was he? Yeah. And the studio like, no, we need someone younger. Someone like younger and more famous. Why does Ridley Scott listen to studio people? His whole thing is the studio is giving him like $100 million. So he's like, okay, these people are giving me preposterous amounts of money. I kind mm. of have to do what they say. Yeah. So the context for this discussion, we must not talk too long. Yeah. Because I know we've got a guest coming in and we need to be mm. prepared. But um, 
the context for this is that really Scott's some of his theatrical cuts yes are never ever as good as his extended director's cuts yeah and especially with a film like Kingdom of Heaven Kingdom I remember Heaven, yeah. you were the person that said Cole watch the extended cut yeah. of Kingdom of Heaven I was like no that was a bad movie yes. I'm not going to watch it yeah and you forced me to do it yeah. and it turns out it's one of his top three movies yeah like literally yeah like, better than Gladiator maybe 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 I mean there are a whole bunch of film bros out there going to hate me for saying that <laughs> yeah. but there's even Alien with Blade, Blade Runner, like Blade Runner, oh. they made him add in like the, the happy ending of sorts. Yes. And the voiceover. Yes. Just terrible. That was bad. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. I think um, let's let's get back to things. We've got a guest coming in. Yeah, Russell will be back through the portal shortly. <laughs> okay, amazing. And he's going to be talking to Van Pletsen. Oh, great. Yeah. Awesome. Should be a good time. Nice. Let's go. Let's get back to work. Yeah. How's it? I'm feeling lekker. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm still in a little bit of a buzz from our our fat jaw on Wednesday night. Yo, it was so much fun. I'm definitely also still on a on a high. Um, so relieved that it's over and that it went well. Yeah, I mean, I also do feel that way about certain big bioscope events, and yes. also even with short straw. Like sometimes it's nice to have it behind you in a in a in a good way. Yes, because I feel like there's this build-up to these certain events in your calendar, and then once you get past it, and it's it's weird how you can build things up in your mind, especially late at night when you're lying in bed. Yeah, I don't know if your brain does I, that. I, I'm a I'm a wide awake, middle of the night thinker. Yeah, guy. I would like wake up or be half asleep, and then suddenly start thinking about all these hypothetical things that mm. might happen. But you have lists on your phone, and you sort of yeah, you and then the I list. need to make the list in order to yeah. get it's the only it out way to go mind. to sleep is to make the list. I guess that's uh, maybe that's anxiety. I don't know. And it's not going to get better with age. It doesn't get better. <laughs> Unfortunately, does it? it doesn't. No. Why not? Is that why human beings become? What's the word? It's not eccentric. It's um, yeah. It's not pedantic. It's yeah. It's those idiosyncrasies that just get... It's not neurotic. Yeah. It's, it's a combination of all of those yeah. things. Um, so what we're talking about is the fact that the Bioscope was very honored to host the listening party of the new Van Pletzen album. Yes, and we couldn't have chosen a, a better venue. The album is, is called Enter the Groetness. Yeah. And we had people sitting in the Bioscope car seats with their seatbelts strapped on their ears. <laughs> we added in extra seats on the side. It was lovely. It was cozy and it was, it oh. was delightful. And, and yeah, and I'm, I'm honored for us to have been the venue because um, the kinds of people that came were a lot of people that I knew just from my own life in Joburg and in the scene. And of course, there were a bunch of famous people, yeah, which was, we'll, we'll talk about. It was a lovely, lovely, lovely crowd. And... Um, uh, it was such a cool setting just to let, you know, all these people sit in a room together and listen to yeah through the album. And so it's interesting. So the album isn't out yet. It is now going to be released on Friday. The 28th of April. There will be a single, like, Deliver Salit is out. Okay. And um, we're going to drop a single with Early B um, the Friday before the release. Okay, but the main thing is on the 28th of April. 28th okay. of April, Enter the Groetness, 17 songs of... Because okay. of I think the way we've scheduled this episode is that this is going to come out shortly after. Okay, Which lacka. is actually a good thing because 
then someone will actually have it available then and there. So basically to, the album is out the right album now. Is out it's already point. platinum. So <laughs> please go and click on this link and uh, and and Leicester. I would and I would never have had the opportunity to get you on the show because at this point you guys would be superstars. <laughs> um, imagine. Um, so what does this mean for you guys? How many albums is it now for Van Pletsen? This is our third album as Van Pletsen. Okay. Um, our last one was in 2020. It's a funny thing. We like worked on this album, planned this whole tour, dropped it, and then the funniest thing happened. Yeah. Crazy um, tours. The president told all of us to go inside and just chill yeah, at just, home, and mm. then two years went by. <laughs> um, you guys do quite a lot of international stuff. You're going back to Amsterdam soon, hey? Yeah, we're going to back to the Melkweg in Amsterdam in May. Uh, the 11th of May with Early B, who's on two tracks on the album, and also with Druem Syndrome, which okay. are the two young brothers making waves on the music scene. They kind of, okay. the, 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 the brother who sings reminds me of Morton Harkett from Aha. He's got okay. that sort of Scandinavian energy and tone. Oh, cool. Yeah, very, very good pop music. Okay. And where are they based? I think at home with their <laughs> mother. No, they're uh, young dudes. Yeah, the, they are young. Um, Pretoria, no, hey? I think Pretoria or Pretoria. Centurion. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Amsterdam's lovely. Amsterdam is wonderful. Every time Short Straws rolled through there, we've done one or two um, European tours. We've always gone, we could live here. <laughs> I think I I felt that the first few times and then people were like, no, no, that feeling will, will fade. But it's I, I could you not, I've, I've been there now, I think something like 25 plus times. And really? Yeah. As and much as that? Yes. And, and I still feel like I could live here. And I've gotten to know the city um, so well that it's like I know it as well as I know Cape Town. So... I, if I walk around, I have my how, favorite how coffee it, spots. And how is it that you've gone so many times? So um, I've gone three times with Bitter Einder. Yeah. And then um, this will be the sec no the third time with Van Bletsen. Mm. And then I've gone about twenty plus times with as a drummer since like two thousand and ten uh, with Joseph Clark, who's become like a bit of a celebrity in the Netherlands singing the music of Queen <laughs> and I kid you not we have played stadiums in the Netherlands with like 35,000 people packed to capacity and this dude just sings Queen like a motherfucker amazing and so who's Joseph Clark so he is a singer and I've actually been playing drums for him in his various um like Queen yeah. shows and corporate shows since 2006. Where's he from? He's originally from America, but he's been living in South Africa for like 30 plus years. And fun side fact, yeah. and this isn't how I got the gig, by yeah. the way, but he's also my stepfather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, who, who, okay. So the woman you married to, her dad. Wait, wait, whoa, whoa, that my brain no, just... stepfather, stepfather. Oh, he's married to, to your mom. my biological mom. Okay, jeez, I got that wrong. Yeah, <laughs> the woman like, you're married to is your dad. I'm like, Meh. 
What? Yeah. Okay. Never mind. Sorry. Yeah. So he's become like very well respected in the Netherlands, especially amongst like hardcore Queen fans that used to watch and follow the actual Queen. band Queen, and they have latched to to him as like you are this voice that just does Freddie Mercury totally total justice okay because that's obviously the toughest thing in the world and like we went to go watch we will rock you like most folk in Joburg yeah. have gone to go watch it at monte casino and the moment you like i was sitting in my chair thinking about it i was like this is a really tough gig because yeah. it's like it's the voice that you have to sort of somehow match but at least for the show they've kind of created it to be anyone and other characters not freddie but that's and it's, and it's to, not just to, one person singing. Yeah, the and other full, people sing the song. I mean, he's the the only one singing. You know, a two two and a half hour show. The the one in the stadium was three hours long with like hardcore, you know, Queen um, fans, and he just I don't know what it is, but he's just got the charisma and the That's tone. Amazing. Okay, so and you played drums for him. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that video of you playing drums, and I commented. I was like. He's got drums. I was like, boys got chops. <laughs> it's weird because I often it's a weird thing with electronic music is there's still this um like weird thing that happens where people give you flack. Yeah, you're not a real musician, you're just no, uh, playing no. the laptop or pressing buttons. And then um every once in a while I go on these drum tours and we're often there for five or six weeks at a time, uh, literally playing just about every single night. And uh then some drum clips start pop popping up on my yeah. stories and stuff. That people are like, "Yo, when did you learn? When did you learn to do that? Uh, yeah. How did you uh, get?" Uh, I, I, I must say, I didn't know, and I was just so chuffed with you. But it explains it because I remember you as yesterday's pupil. Yes. And that was you playing everything. Yes. So basically, I actually started in a rock slash new metal band yeah very influenced by like deftones and muse and lincoln park which band was that that was a band called it's shoe spelled s-h-u yeah with vanna yes mm, and i remember hearing that yeah that band lasted like seven years and we played in it's obviously pre social media yeah. even pre myspace i think yeah yeah and we played um Nile Crocodile, yeah. the original Things and Times, both Nile Crocodiles, the one in um, Sunnyside and also the yeah. one... The, the scene, you played the scene. Yes, and and I would like play drums and scream, you know, like... Awesome. That was my... like, And Vanna would sing in falsetto and I would yeah. scream. And then when that band broke up after seven years, which seems to be the, the, sort of the, the time. time when bands break up... <laughs> uh, then Vanna started Wrestlerish, yeah. and I started the solo project Yesterday's Pupil because at that point I started getting really into production. I was yeah. like, "Wow, you can record yourself!" And yeah, and it definitely took a particular kind of person to do that. Yeah, it it, it took someone who who kind of obsesses over the manuals, the intricacies, like the kind of people that would be engineers, dorks. Yeah, geeks. Nerds. Maybe I, putting it. It's a, I just I but geeks in the best way. Like yes. geeks that become like the experts at things. Yeah, I just love the idea that I could record myself and manipulate certain things to sound different. And eventually, I believe that 
oh, anything can be an instrument. And I like take my metal trash bin and put a mic mm. in it and tap drum beats with my fingers at the bottom. And that became the beat for one song. So I was just like fascinated by That's so exciting. By that's audio. So cool. Yeah. And uh, I toured a lot in those days with Locke. And I was very yes. I- yes. influenced and inspired Locke. by both Paul Russell and Mr. Sakatumi. Sean O'Tim and and Sean O'Tim later became like a I don't even want to say mentor he became like a guru like I would go I stayed at his house once for a week and I just told him teach me everything you know about Ableton it's awesome no and I I love that and I I, I, there's something so great about that we've got a staff member here and I remember from early days just with me doing very simple bioscope stuff he looked, he was looking and he sort of like cocked his head to sort of look at what I was doing. And I realized like the kid just wants to learn. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, so this is an HDMI cable. Yes. And this is this. And before you know it, he is able to help us if we need an extra hand or he can run one or two events if I have to go. And it's like, it was just because he showed some interest and it's amazing. So I, I think one should never actually lose that that drive or hunger to learn. And then once you have learned and mastered, you know, certain things, you should also then be willing to share, to share that. And uh, I think that's sometimes the problem in today's sort of instant gratification cultures. People just see where they want to be and they just want to be there instead of like, Hey, so why, how do you get there? What's this? What does this cable do? Yeah. You know, and um, there's no real substitute in any field for experience. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And what I've appreciated over my time now um, is is being someone who can understand a broad scope of everything. So I've put up my hand to, you know, play bass in the band. So there's some musical thing. I took photography and did that and made some films and was in film school so i love the fact that i can do a broad scope of everything um so that i can be the kind of person that can bring people together and create stuff so i'm not going to be the best at making a song it will maybe as good as you but maybe i can see something you're doing and something that someone else is doing and i can connect exactly and those are also quite important people and when i realized that i was like oh that's what i will be in my life exactly (laughs) and that's what you've essentially done with this you know with the, the space with the bioscope yeah it's totally. this moldable space that's cinema but it's also a home for stand-up comedy and listening parties and pretty yeah. soon we're going to book it out for a proper rave as well <laughs> <laughs> there they are the, the the we've got this story at the behind the cinema screen and when someone once looked at that they, like, yes. they said they said this is the coke den <laughs> i thought that was quite funny yeah we should do like a super limited 30 people boiler room <laughs> set where the, everyone's cl- just clogs around the laptop love yeah um, but this is exciting and the album is great. And just one um, point on the, um, the, the party that we had a few days ago was that it was very cool that none other than The Mummy came. And what I mean by that, I'm talking about the actor Arnold Fosloo who uh, played The Mummy yeah. in The Mummy movies. I know. And it was so funny. Johan, who helped organize the event, um, told me about this about a few hours before the event started. He said, this is weird, but we've invited uh, the Arnold. mummy. We've invited the mummy. And when I saw him, I was like, he fucking came. 
Yeah. And it was so cool to see he, him. He what, totally what the, came. What was the story behind that? Um, so I actually did the soundtrack for a Netflix series in which he played the lead character. And um, Is that, sorry, just a quick aside, is that a, a big thing for you to do scores yeah. and stuff? Is that... That's part of my job. Is it a big slice of your pie? <laughs> it, when, it, when there is one on your plate, then it's a big slice of time. Yeah. Like it takes a lot of, um, of time and it's something I really do enjoy doing, but I don't think I can do just that full time. I okay. like the variety of sometimes you, you throw yourself into this project and it's scoring this eight yeah. episode Netflix thing. And other times it's just touring yeah. and dirty. Okay. So ni a nice little bit of everything. Yeah. Okay, so you scored this show. What was the show called? Ludic. Ludic. Yes, and he played the lead in that. And um, during that whole process and everything, I reached out and said, you know, I'm doing season two of Prating. Please, would you be a guest? And it took a little bit of um, convincing. He was looked at some it's other episodes yeah. and he was like what is this clown gonna <laughs> do and um i think as soon as he sat down i said to him is it cool if i just call you the mummy for this whole interview yeah <laughs> and i used the mummy references yeah. all throughout because like, he's got like a name in the mummy which if yeah, you know it you it's you, like you know tip or yeah something like that yeah, yeah, yeah. and um i i just sort of pushed it so hard but he was like intimidating but also such a good sport and i think we in a weird way we kind of clicked and he yeah. sent a, this really cool uh, voice note a day or two later which funny enough landed up on the album and it's the very last thing you you hear on the album on the new album coming out which is great okay so listen out for that and if you don't yeah. know if you don't know who the arnold is then now you know it. It's, it's him. It's literally Arnold fucking Fosler. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, what uh, is Prating for you? Prating is, so it's a talk show. I guess it's a podcast with a, a visual yeah, so one can so one can listen to the episodes on podcast platforms. Yes, but then you've videotaped it really well. Uh, videotaped. Yeah, <laughs> such we videotaped it. We put <laughs> it on a VHS. <laughs> uh, my late thirties is kind of <laughs> shining through. You filmed it. Yes, um, and uh, looks great. And so it's a TV show in its own right. It's kind of like a between two fernsy type thing. Yes, it's, like it's, a sh it's, it's shorts. It's it's sort of like so we we cut it into short things that we use on on social media, but some of the episodes is like an hour forty oh, long. Oh, cool! So okay. they do get really long, and, um, and I that's think over on YouTube, hey? Yes, that's on YouTube, um, and I think the episode with Arnold was like an hour, and we delved into what it was like living in Hollywood, and he, uh, there's some really cool stories about him living on a boat, just owning two pairs of jeans and going out every night and how hollywood has sort of changed and he said that he could swim in a sewer of petrol and you can set it alight and it'll still not burn or something like that what i don't know i, I might <laughs> let me not please don't quote me yeah, on yeah. this okay but he told you some stories yes so he okay. told some some really cool stories and um I reached out a few weeks ago and said, listen, is it cool if I include this voice note on the album? And by the way, we're okay. having a little listening party and it would be awesome if you yeah. came because he's between 
America and South Africa, but he's, he's mostly there. Okay. And um, he happened to be here, and he was like, yeah, no, that sounds, sounds like it's going to be a vibe. And he sat right in the center of the theater. <laughs> I made a point when we were trying to get everybody to come inside. I was like, I'm going to need you to come inside so that you actually get a seat. Yes. Because I would have hated everyone else to have found a seat except for him. Um, and then old Kurt Darren was there. It was cool to meet him. I've never I've never met him Now, before. old Captain, he's also a, a legend in his own right. And he was also on, on Prating. And funny enough, he, you know, one of his biggest hits is Captain... Yeah, Spandy Sailor. Which I must say, I've got to share a story. I was in um, Mauritius in December, and you know, obviously a lot of South Africans are there, but you you still get the sense that you're in this kind of foreign country yeah. with French speaking um, Mauritian folk around you. And we did the whole catamaran thing, which people do to the waterfall, and then you come back and and it was cool. It was like very foreign to me, and like you know, we're overseas, we're on a holiday, and then you see this houseboat come past you with captains, funny and I was like, oh, there, there we go. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and everyone's having a fat all in this boat, and I'm like, there, there's, there's the homeland. <laughs> yeah, no, look, that's that's classic Africana for you there. Like, um, that's lovely. No, so he's on the album. Yeah. So funny story. He was on Prating. And somehow he said something about Captain Snaif de Lena. And that little clip yeah. promo just went like viral on TikTok and Instagram. Oh, cool. And it became such a thing that at shows like people who watch Prating singing that. Would like come to him like Captain Snaif de Lena and everything. And um I just said to him on the episode, imagine a collab between Van Pletzen and Kurt Darren. Yeah. And then in the comments, so many people just said, make this happen. This needs to happen. Yeah. Like, let it, let it happen. And um, then we tried to, to make it happen and it turned out to be like a glam rock song. Okay. Called Muertot America, which um, is one of my favorites on the album. What does that translate? What is Muert? So the Muert is this area in the heart of Pretoria, where okay. I actually grew up. Okay. And it's... Um, so it's the name of a place. So from there to a, America. Is that yes. What and it's kind of... Because um, the Moet is, uh, you know... It's <laughs> to give you some context. But that's the name of the place, Moet. Yes. Okay. So it's a combination of a few suburbs and areas. Oh, that so it's form. like a sort of slang term for it. Like the Moet is like the valley. Okay, got it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's where the dogs walk in pairs because they bung for the children. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's an interesting place. It's kind of like stuck still somewhere in the 80s, but also kind of in the future. There's like Budavos rolls every Saturday. Yeah. And, um, you know, people selling stuff straight out of their front yards and, and things. <laughs> and it's really cool. And it was a cool place to grow up and... There's this weird culture around the Moet that no matter where you go, if there's a fellow Moet person or someone knows you from the Moet, I'll be in Amsterdam and there'll be a guy in the audience shouting, Moet! Really? Moet! And it's like, there's this meme that says, show me on a map, where's the Moet? And yeah. then the boy just puts his hand on his heart and he goes, <laughs> it's here. 
Uh, well, that's funny. I had the opposite. So I grew up in Bryanston, which is <laughs> yeah. the suburb in, in Joburg, which is now one of the largest suburbs definitely in, in the whole city. Yeah. Because everyone wants to live in Bryanston. But when we moved there as a family, it was like a farmland where there were horses in sort of bigger acre, few acre yeah. properties. Now there's fancy um, townhouses that each sold for like a million or whatever. And and um, Bryanston is one of the only suburbs in in probably the whole of South Africa where if you say you're from it, someone repeats it in like a dumb voice. Bronston. Yeah, they do that. Yeah. Hey, from Bronston. Ah, Bronston. Yeah. But, uh, you know, obviously we, it was a humble sort of older Bronston house, um, but it's just so funny that, that, yeah, where you come from can my, kind of sculpt that. I'm familiar with the Bronston. My my studio is in Bronston for the last... Bronston. Bronston for the last <laughs> six years. Oh, and cool. uh, whenever I go to Nickelway Woolies to grab uh, yeah, a yeah. snack, I see the... I believe the term is like soccer moms yep. in like yoga pants yeah, and, you know, with the nails and the hair and everything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's uh, it's a... Uh, <laughs> Could be worse. No, it's a nice thing to sit, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there. I don't know what, what yeah. I'm seeing as, but yeah. I'm sitting there having a coffee in the Woolies Cafe. Yeah, yeah. And um, I like people watching. I think people are no, it's lovely. Are quite a fascinating my, species. My my sister is one of those people you you're describing. And there was this lovely moment where at my nephew's um, birthday, another mom arrived, and she was re- she was wearing remarkably similar clothes, and also had her hair done in a particular way. And so I just my my face just turns to my sister's boyfriend, and I just have the smile on my face, and he knows exactly what I'm talking, <laughs> what I'm trying to say, which is like. This is crazy. Like it's a, it's definitely it's, a look. It's definitely a look. Yeah. Um. But tell me, what are you watching? What are you oh. What are you consuming? What are you enjoying at the moment? That's a, something we, we oh, talk about here. I love this question. Um. So, I go through stages where I like almost don't watch any TV or sort of any media. Yeah. Where I mostly then would either listen to podcasts or music. Yeah. Something that can be on while I'm doing yeah. other things. Um, but what I've been watching recently, and I haven't finished it, but I'm really enjoying it, um, is a show called Beef. Yeah, it's just started. Netflix. Yeah, I've started watching it. Yo, I'm, I'm really loving Beef. I'm not sure where it's going to go. I'm like five or six episodes in. Okay, we did the first episode just to get a taste of it. And I was like, okay, okay. Yeah, and it goes... Yeah, so quick quick back of the box. It's a show on Netflix. Um, the main actors um, is a one of them is a woman called Ali Wong, who's a great stand up comic. Yes. Have you seen some of her specials? Yes. I, I There's one called Baby Cobra. I think it's called Baby Cobra, where she did the stand up special Pregnant. Crazy. And it's all about like her. Be- like nerves about becoming a mom she's and she's brilliant in this she's yeah. like her comic timing i wanted to say because she's like she's serious and she switches between serious super friendly kind mm. of conniving a little bit manic you can see an evil in her all like in her just eyes subtly on her face she's, mm. she's doing such a good job and um so asian american so it, it seems like the show is kind of quite largely about the immigrant experience but in yes. a very fun 
way there's another so so there's a it's basically the 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 tv show sort of sets up that it's going to be a rivalry between these two people yes it, they meet in traffic in, yeah, in like a parking a lot road rage incident that escalates and it's basically two independent stories of two independent people and With very different backgrounds very and then different. they start to beef and then <laughs> and then by the end of the episode one not to give too much away but you get the sense that it's like it's now on they're going to be going after each other and yeah, and what was a small little almost bumper bashing in a parking lot of like a sort of macro style store now it's escalating yes so and, it's interesting and it goes so many places I, I honestly can't wait to to like I'm, I'm just amped to get home and watch That's another cool. episode it's nice when you got a show like that yes and That's I'm like savoring it in, sometimes you're just keen to binge and other times you're like whoa yeah. I'm going to just do one a day, old school. Yeah, there are a couple of those shows, like Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oof. You couldn't watch more than one or two in a, in a go because you then felt like a very harrowed... Hectic human being. And you felt <laughs> dirty and you felt like... You know what I'm talking about? It was quite it, like a negative it, <laughs> show. Whenever I binge... You felt a bit sick after watching sunny, one or two. I like... My humor becomes very dark. Yeah, like it. They rub off on me, and I, I, my humor becomes quite dark. And I also love Kirby enthusiasm. Okay, it's like a. I've never, I've never gotten into Kirby enthusiasm. Oof. That's the that's Larry David. Yes, who started Seinfeld? Who did Seinfeld? Yeah. Big it's his fan. own show. And um, then also another film that I really enjoyed was Everything Everywhere All at Once. How magical! Hey? Yo, that was definitely one of the top films I've seen recently. And did you go, how did you manage to see it? Did you go into a cinema by any chance? I think I actually watched it, which is not a great place to watch it, but on a plane. Okay. It's one but, way to do it. Um, there's also, it's like a weird experience watching a movie on the plane. It's like, shit and awesome. The skunk might have, no, no, no. Yeah. It's like, look, you're going to be in the sky for 10 or 12 hours, so hey, like, here's a brand new movie that's on cinema like right now. I'm just going to watch this. But we have a theory here on the podcast that um, your emotions are amplified on a plane. Have you ever felt that? Well... Like something to do with the altitude, something to do with, with it. Apparently, you are more likely to cry. Your emotions are bigger. I can actually, now that you, can now you, that you can mentioned you, uh, that... agree with that? Whenever I listen to music on a plane, it feels like it's just... Slaps it's a thing. more, hits more. <laughs> slaps, Look at the clouds and be harder. like, damn life, eh? But, uh, but everything, everywhere, all at once was just such a magical film. And I think you'd appreciate it as well because it was the filmmaking version of taking that trash can and turning it into a beat. Yes, Like it exactly. was a very manual, very homemade. I don't know whether you know this, but the visual effects crew was about seven guys. Yeah. It I worked I read during that. the pandemic. Yeah. I mean... What? One of my favorite things to do after I finish a film is to read the trivia. Yeah. I like, I go on IMDb or something and I just like, I want to know, especially if I liked it. If it was yeah. total trash, here's a, for example, I completely hated the new Batman. Oh, really? Yeah. The, bat the Batman. The Batman. Okay. Like, I sat there for... It was, a long it was like three something hours and I was honestly like, for me, I don't mind if something's three hours as long as the rhythm and the pace okay. justifies it. And that film, especially coming from things like The Dark Knight, yeah. 
Nej, Just nej. Didn't do it. Okay. nej, 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 nej. Sure. Let okay. us please not make more. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the sequel to Joker, mm. where Lady Gaga is um, Harley Quinn. Yeah, I think... Could be interesting. It's either going to be great or... Did you like Joker? Yeah, I much, much, much... More like plot, more more development. Yeah, the Batman was, was dark, like literally dark. But th- it wasn't the dark aspect that bothered me, and I could go into... I could. Yeah, but mostly the mostly the pace. Yeah. Okay. No, let's not get into it. Yeah. Let's rather talk about the things that we love. Yeah. Exactly. Um, We love a question here, which is, what uh, do you say is your favorite film of all time? But what is your actual favorite (laughs) film of all time? Yo, it's changed over time. I love comedy. Yeah. But I. It's weird for me. I've never like looked at anything as like this is my or some of your favorites. Yeah. I guess let's just put it that as opposed to anything definitive. So growing up, the ones that really stick out for me was uh, Donnie Darko. Cool. Because I've always like enjoyed the darker, very mysterious sort of film. It sort of it kind of makes no sense. Yes, and I don't know what about it I liked at that point because I wasn't even looking for the sense. It was just I enjoyed the mood. Yeah, and the tone and the the weird underdog kind of um, misfit totally. character. Totally, yeah. Um, and I'll it was a, it was a different kind of horror because it yeah. wasn't like the huh, horror. It wasn't like Scream or what I you know what I did last summer, or whatever. It was it was um, it was like a very creepy, eerie, just yeah noise. And 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 at this, during this sort of similar time, I also loved movies like Dumb and Dumber. And okay. Ace Ventura. Because humor is a big part of your life. I mean, Fun and for those who don't know, like, it's a comical band. Without it being, like, full-on comical, but it's... I, I love humor and satire, and I think it's a tool that is... It's a fantastic tool that we should use and should embrace because laughter... It's like s- the same as stand-up comedy, taking... Using humor and satire as a means to address yeah. something that, um, you know, isn't maybe always easy to talk about or in a... Yeah, because prating is very humorous as well. Like you play a particular character. I think if you lose your sense of humor, that's when life starts to go downhill. Totally. Like you need to, the same things you cry over in life that's like really shit, you need to get to the point where you mm. can also laugh about this, the same things. Totally. Yeah. No, and it was so lovely. There's a, um, a little shout out to Johan who um, helped organize the event the other day. And he's been involved in a bunch of bands. He's played m- music, but he's but he's the kind of people behind um, Park Acoustics, which is a very famous uh, music event in Pretoria, um, Capital Craft. But if you're around him, he's also one of those people that just he's laughing every two seconds. Yeah, yeah. And it's just and it's 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 really good for your soul, and yes. it's just really good. And I love the fact that the Bioscope as well is giving comedy once a week at least, sometimes even more. And, and it just feels like you sort of line the, the walls of the cinema with, with good vibes and, and happiness. And comedy yes, exactly. can do that. And I was also telling someone the other day, we were talking about humor as a nation, 
and, and nations having humor and how because and, I think we were just talking about the scene and, and the, the, the comedy scene in general and just South Africa in general and I said we have a very particularly refined comedy oh, yes. and, and we, because we've used comedy to often help us figure out a lot about ourselves you know everything from Madame and Eve to just, just certain people that just kind of helped that Suburban transition. bliss. <laughs> Suburban bliss. <laughs> Remember that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think South Africans... And you're contributing to that conversation. Yeah, we by have using a, humor. a very specific um, sense of humor. And humor in art is, a, is an interesting thing because there's still somehow this notion, and especially in music, that if something's funny, it's less... It's not serious. Yeah, but it's the exact same. Or that same you shouldn't take it seriously. One one doesn't give it as much cred. Yes, yeah. it's the exact same process making a funny or comedy film as it is making a very serious or dramatic film. And when you're making a humorous uh, song, you're still writing and recording and mixing and mastering all the music, mm. and you know coming up with concepts for music videos. So just when someone consumes the final sort of end product yeah. and they feel like, oh, okay, it's a, it's a joke, almost every single music video we've ever released has, upon release, had like a, a bit of a wave of kickback and, and, sure. and hate, yeah. so to speak. And then a few months later, it becomes completely embraced and normalized and loved, yeah, yeah and i think that's the thing about humor is it challenges people in a different way yeah. it's um it's like should i be laughing at this or are they serious but the production value is kind of slick but the but the, that's probably what what is happening is that because there is such good production and because the songwriting is so good it lives on as opposed to it just being a cheap joke. Exactly. Um, and that's what will kind of endure. And, and, and perhaps also the, the, the context of the joke. You know, if there's more to it. Exactly. Um, if there's depth to the thought. That'll, that'll be what rides it out. Exactly. But so it's, yeah. it's interesting that you sort of feel that. I, I think comedy is, is difficult. And I don't think people understand how, how difficult comedy is. Especially... I was talking to the director, Samantha Nell, who made a film called Do Your Worst, which is on Netflix. And I was just saying that, especially for someone, this was her first film, I was like, you could really be applauded for how well you captured the comedy. Because that's yeah. a very difficult thing. It really getting is. Getting it out of the actor, so getting them to be as funny on the fifth take as they were on the first take, Editing it right so that it lands, and I guess that's also the same for the comedy as well. In in, a, in music, is to sculpt it in such a way that it's it's edited in a way that it's funnier or amplified or done right. Exactly. Because you could perhaps fake your way through drama easier by going, "This is when you must be serious," and even yeah. if it doesn't land, everyone could go, "Oh well, it's so serious," and you yes. could maybe get away with that. Where you 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 lay yourself quite bare trying to be funny. Yes. And if you pull that off, it is far more of an accomplishment. There we go. Okay. I feel like you've summarized okay. that really well. <laughs> cool. And I've I, thought about this. Yeah, I've I've heard like actors tell me I often ask like what's harder, comedy or drama? And 
more often than not, they say comedy is harder. And it's yeah, and it's the it's the energy that you sometimes have to bring and the timing that you have to get perfect for it to really land. Yeah. And you know, lots of people. I'm sure you know lots of people that are very funny in real life, especially in the moment. Yeah. But you try get them to re redo that. Okay, and go. It's not going to be as funny. <laughs> no, it's a and whole it's, different. And ball it's game. hard when you're editing it, going like, I know the joke. Yeah. So I'm not finding it as funny anymore because I know the joke. So you lose that objectivity quite quickly no. when you when you mixing it or mastering it or exactly it. no and, and I love the space also between um, comedy and drama, not necessarily even in a in a film context, but where something is like almost polar opposites at the same time. Yeah, so, so a show like Scrubs. Yes. That's could, a good could example. Could be so silly. And then in about two minutes, they could drop you and you just, you, you it's like the floor beneath you yes. just goes. Gervais, old Ricky Gervais is also good at it, yeah. being really funny and then suddenly you're crying and you're like, oh shit. He's like, yeah. Um, so his brand is almost like um, funny and sad. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you need those two because yeah. the other thing which makes drama, for example, so difficult is if you're just being dragged through the mud for two hours. Yeah. I'll never forget putting off uh, the film Manchester by the Sea, yes. which was Casey Affleck, um, Michelle Williams, and it was an Oscar darling about five or six years ago. And I heard it was incredible and I kept putting it off, like we do for some yeah. of those sort of drama, more kind of perhaps more art house films. Until someone, and I actually think it was on the plane, one of the band members said, oh, it's actually got some funny moments in it. And that's actually what had me go like, okay, I can watch it now. Yeah. I know it's going to be heavy, but it's not going to be too much. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, this is lovely. It, breaks, it breaks a bit of that tension and it actually then makes the tension and the seriousness more effective yeah. there was this film that i really loved actually directed by a like fashion uh, designer tom ford yeah yeah a uh, serious man uh, no nocturnal animals nocturnal animals. with okay. jake gyllenhaal and amy adams okay and it's like a super intense um film yeah. and there's this scene that's about 15 or 20 minutes long in the middle of the night next to a highway and they shot it for like two or three weeks. And it's, and it's intense to watch. But as it plays out, it also intercuts to her in this fashion world. Yeah. And um, there's such witty moments in that that just sort of gives you a moment to exhale. Breathe. Breathe. And, yeah. And then when you go back to that scene next to the highway, you're like... It's, you don't forget, you don't have to keep someone in one state for the whole time. In no. fact, that is quite um, unpleasant. No, it, it's, it's difficult and that's, and that's often where um, some films just go wrong and, and that has happened in a couple of South African films that I've watched where I'm like, you are just dragging me. You're dragging yeah. me for two hours and it's like, I'm tired now and it's, and it's not landing. And, and sometimes I find that work that takes itself too seriously lands up being pretentious yeah it's like it's too serious it's not willing to drop its own seriousness or the the its mm -hmm. own perception of itself yeah 
And then you kind of watch it and some people might be like, oh, wow, what a film. It was so, mm. such a film, such a film. And then you're like, that is... <laughs> Your sort of art house face, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and I enjoy, you know, art house. I just mean, I'm trying to think of an example of a film that was like really hyped and loved that just felt like... Anyway, no, I, know, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, what would you like to be watching more of? Obviously, you've got Beef, which is looking after you for now. Yes. Um, if you enjoy what we've been talking about, uh, do you have Apple TV Plus? No. And when I got my phone, they were like, here's three months for free. And I just feel like, why can't <laughs> Apple TV and Netflix and Amazon and Showmax just all gang all, up and just give us everything. All, all have a baby. Because when you think about it, Spotify and Apple Music, they all have essentially got the exact same yeah. content. But imagine if music was exclusive. It would be crazy. It would be insane. So it's, uh, it freaks me out that why not just go, hey, I use this because I prefer this platform. Mm. So... Yeah. Here's all the content, and uh, this is our yeah. deal that we I offer you. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Um, on Apple TV Plus is a show called Shrinking, which we've spoken about a lot. So maybe it's out there on the seas for you, or maybe you must get that subscription. But uh, Shrinking is the same people behind Scrubs. Okay, cool. And it does the very similar thing where it could be very funny, and then it can kind of give you this great motion. So awesome. I'll definitely I, check I would that recommend out. that. Um, do you know about um, that music show? Okay, well, this is also on Apple TV Plus. But there's a music <laughs> show on Apple TV Plus called um, My Kind of Country. My, um, my, my Kind of Country. Nope. And it is a reality show search for um, different country artists okay. that are around the world. So they found someone in India. There's someone from philippines but there's a bunch of people from south africa and they might be people you know one of which is justin sarau no way you know justin? i actually did see something on on instagram or somewhere and he's about on the show and he's killing it that is wild so it's so cool to like That's see awesome. the dude that you know well um on on this like big show oh that is awesome my kind of country my kind of country um disney plus have you got disney plus no, yo, there's too many things. There's like, a lot out there. I got two. Okay, so, so what do you got? Well, obviously uh, Netflix. Okay. And Showmax. Okay. And I guess yeah, the, YouTube. The Seas. What's the Seas? The, like the, the pirate, the, where the pirate, yeah, where the pirate like ships the seas. swim. Look, there's always going to be uh, the pirate. That, that will always be there. Yeah, just and to fill the gap of, of it. Yeah, we don't we don't advocate for it, but listen. No, no, no. I'm just saying that. Just, no, it's out there. It's it's not something that's ever gonna go away. Yeah. 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 I'm sure you remember those like Napster era. Oh yeah. LimeWire with the joke always being like, y you thought it was like a new Nirvana song, but it was actually like. <laughs> Pearl Jam yeah. you know like they were all mislabeled songs and you couldn't quite get the songs but that was how we shared music and that was how we discovered stuff yeah I had my my CD pouch full of CDRs yeah that was like either mixtapes or playlists um, of like metal bands or it would just be you know this Radiohead or Nirvana album it was just like lovely 
you know, I couldn't couldn't buy all those CDs, but you yeah. wanted to support, and you're still in some weird way supporting the artist by becoming a fan, even though yeah. they didn't take your no, ninety sure. bucks. Um, like, so you, <laughs> you're off to Amsterdam soon. When do you go? Um, we're going in the beginning of May. Cool. And um, the show at Malkweg is on the 11th of May. Okay. And I'm um, very excited to be back there for the fifth or sixth time. For for Van Pletzen. Van yeah. Pletzen will yeah. be the second or third time at Malkweg. But I've been there, I think, twice before with... Are you are you in the big room? No, Which no, room? we're in the the sort of middle one, the Oz. Okay. The uh, the, the Short, Short Straw played the little room, the little room. Oh uh, yes, I know that one. Yeah, it is lovely. It's it's still cool to say we played Melkberg, which is of course a, uh, yes. a famous venue for those who don't know in in Amsterdam. But the big room is massive. I mean, that's no, it's massive. And we've there's another venue just down the road from Melkberg called Paradiso. Which we also played. Yes. But we also just played the small room. And, and we're not going to necessarily stipulate that, but we're going to say, yeah, we played yeah, Paradiso. We played Paradiso, sold it out. Yeah. yeah. So. yeah, it was <laughs> yeah. <laughs> lovely, man. Listen, I appreciate you coming in. Of course, it was lovely to, to work together um, a few days ago. Um, any last sort of thoughts on the album? Last things to kind of mention? I think um, my wish for this album would be that people just take some time for themselves mm -hmm. and put their phones down, mm -hmm. even though they're probably listening on the phone, but, 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 but put it down. Figuratively put it down. And yeah. uh, just lie on your back on a blanket outside or on your bed and just take the 50 minutes to go through these 17 songs and just enjoy the journey of entering the Grootness. Because that's what we are trying to do, is to send you on a journey, and this is your soundtrack. Lovely. It's not just 17 singles. It's uh, 17 friends, and you need to mingle with all of them. Lovely. Because it's interesting, because you've done the scores and you've done soundtracks, you maybe are approaching it, it a little cinematically in a sense like you can see a story and you can feel definitely it's definitely that. our most sort of theatrical um piece of work that we've done yeah and it's completely genre less meaning it's lovely it goes from disco to dance to pop to rock to reggae to glam rock to psych pop lovely to a little bit of everything yeah, and it's just, I think it's because both Nax and I are, we're both producers. Yeah, I was about to say, there is another half, which is Nax. Yes, and, and because we're both producers, we realize that you can't, if you're going to make a 17-track album, it risks becoming monotonous if it's just the same Voice, genre. Same genre, yeah. And so we decided, let's take each song and make it its own little world, its yeah. own little planet, and together the album forms this little musical galaxy. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Well put. Yes. Sounds lovely. Okay, well, I found one thing for you which was Shrinking. Yes, um, I'm going to definitely watch Shrinking, which, funny enough, we, we made an, an ad on Prating, a mock ad called Crimping, yeah. which is the Mengels' word for Shrinking. 
Okay. And it was an ad about the terrible thing that men sometimes have to deal with when, <laughs> when, with certain things when their penis crimps. Okay. And it's literally like, go and find this ad yeah. either on our Instagram pages or yeah. somewhere on YouTube. It's called crimping. Just okay. That's the cool thing about mangles. And that term is you sort of talking about like a sort of fun version of Afrikaans, like a sort of so mangles, like a Frankenstein kind yes, of Afrikaans. It's, it's a mixture. So meng is mix, mm. um, and engels is obviously English. English. English so mangles is menging of tall, and if you prot mangles, you do it in such a manner that everyone can verstand. Yeah. Everyone needs to. You're kind of speaking it right now, yeah. Stretch their gedachtes and their brains a little bit in order to begrijp what's being said, but beide English and Afrikaans means they can verstand what is being said. So it's one tal mangles that unites two groups of Lovely. different language-speaking people or groepen. Lovely. Yeah. That's it. Afrikaans is very special, like that in how it can be manipulated from both a very poetic kind of use, which you hear a lot in, in bands like Fokhoff. Exactly. And um, um, certain people are like, you know, you can, you can feel the poetry in the language and the language is quite malleable in that sense. Maybe that is because it used to be the, the youngest language in the world. Yeah. Has and it been overtaken? Yeah, by Mengels. <laughs> um, did I, what, okay, last question. How did the Dutch take your Afrikaans? Because that's always been a funny thing is when Dutch people, they, like, they make jokes about Afrikaans. They sort of make, they, they sort of say it's like sort of like a drunk idiot's Dutch. <laughs> yeah. Look, I think they definitely fascinated and amused by Afrikaans. And I think they see it as like a baby Dutch. Yeah. Which isn't, you know, far off. But the reality that I have to say is no language is pure. And the idea or no, the desire... Sure. But, but I mean, they, they consume you in Amsterdam for the very reason that you... True. A lot of your music is in Afrikaans. Yes. And I think to a certain degree, they understand it to like a, a certain extent. And they also just enjoy maybe the the music and the choruses or the melodies. But um, there is this strange thing that some Afrikaans people have where they want to keep the language like pure. Yeah. But there is no such thing as a pure language because all languages are mixtures of a bunch of other languages. Sure, and they so, all come from something. Like English is crazy. I, I don't know what you studied, but at Varsity we did Chaucer. And early English, it, it sounds like German. It, it's 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 another language. We yeah. had to we had to go word for word with the companion to Chaucer to try and understand what Canterbury Tales was all about, and that's English. That's yeah. what English was. So if if you take Shakespearean English and today's English, yeah. it's evolved and developed, and things like Mengels is just part of that journey of a yeah. language. Totally. Um, certain words in Afrikaans are identical to those words in Dutch. And then you have words like pisang, which um, is definitely not... That's banana in, in Afrikaans. What's that in Dutch? 
No, so I think pisang sounds to me like it's it's more like almost Asian pisang. Ah, um, I thought about it. Yeah, so I think there should never be a fear of a language being bastardized. Yeah, no. And I'm there should I'm not be a those. desire to keep a language stagnant. But either. yeah, both can be happening at the same time. Like people like yourself can be playing with words while other academics are are looking to preserve certain things. It's great. It sort of all happens it's in the all same... It's all part of the same, same. sort of process and if, what's going to happen is inevitable and we won't, none of us that's fighting about it now will be <laughs> yeah. here to see what's going to happen but yeah. it is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely, man. The tall. The tall. Uh, appreciate you coming in. Thank you for your time. No. And thanks an again for bringing pleasure. us such a lovely event and... Um, all the best with the album and the tour. Thank you. I'm I'm very excited for the album to be set free into the world. Yeah, just released out into the world. I mean, it's the same with when we're talking to Samantha now. She's like, my film now belongs. Exactly. You know, it exists between the thing and the audience. The re that's the reason they call it a release is because you get to have mm. that release as the artist. You yeah. are now released from your work <laughs> yeah. and you no longer have to be caught up in it and overthinking it or yeah. engaging with it. Now it belongs to anyone and everyone else. You have been released and it's been released and um, I'm very excited to release the greatness upon the world. All right. What a good chat. What an interesting dude. <laughs> uh, that album once again, Enter the Greatness is out there wherever you get your music and um, have fun with it. It's designed to get your foot tapping and a smile on your face. So hope you enjoy it. Thank you for listening. My name is Russell Grant. Today on the show was, was Peach Van Pletsen and um, we are The Video Store. If you want to share the love, we are thevideostore.ca.za. Join us over on Facebook and on Instagram and let us know what you're watching what uh, we should be talking about if there's a show that we haven't uh, brought up at any point. But yeah, please rate and review. That kind of stuff goes a long way and means the world to us. And keep coming back. Thank you for all the love. We will see you again next week. Cheers.